This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, 19 games into the Premier League season, if you've backed every home win on the money line, you've had 10 winners, but you're losing money to level stakes. You're also losing if you've bet the away team or the draw. 11 games have been over two and a half goals, eight unders. And with the over round to average odds, you're also losing to level stakes. Likewise, both teams to score. Yes, both teams to score. No, you're not winning. One simple trend has come good over weeks one and two of the Premier League, and that's following Nigel Seeley's and Jack Wright's picks. The boys are nine wins from 12 with a return on investment of just over 50%. This is Betting Weekly Premier League show with myself, Dan Roebuck and Nigel and Jack are back once again. Nigel, the wider point that I'm making here is that with early season, and we touched on it last week, there aren't too many trends to go on, but you can still make money. And at the moment, maybe it's more about feel, experience of how the market goes and maybe even that gut feeling. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a great start, as you said, they're 50% returns some really nice profits here on the show. I mean, the thing is really that um, I've, I've said it before in a couple of shows we've done before. I think the early part of the season is how you think the summer recruitment has gone and how you feel that teams ended last season. And it's a bit hit or miss. Usually I always say in August is a bad time to bet. But this time around, as we've had the great, I've had the best start I've ever had to a football season. I, 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 hopefully that's a good omen going forward. Um it's not only in the Premier League, it's been in the lowest English league and it's been across Europe as well. The European handicappers have been doing very, really well. So the form from last year hasn't really changed much. Uh, you know, Manchester City at the top of the table, Brighton are doing well. As we, we knew they were a very good side. The teams that we expect to struggle were struggling. So, uh, yeah, I think I think for us, though, the big thing last week was getting that late goal for Nottingham Forest. That sort of gave us some momentum and a turning point. It was a double play. And uh, in seasons gone by, that probably wouldn't have happened. But I think the biggest thing for me on the Premier League this season is is what we spoke about in the future show, the changes uh, with the extra time. I think that's just showed you. I mean, total goals now are averaging at three a game in the Premier League, up from around about 2.8 this time last season. Uh, bookings are five, over five a game now in the Premier League. The amount of red cards there's been in, 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 the, in the first couple of weeks as well. And corners have gone up a full corner from last year. So that's what we did say, that the derivative markets would definitely be the, the way to, to to profit. And that's definitely proven the price on the, in the bookings and on the corners. But as far as the form book is concerned, it's pretty much the same as last year. And at the moment, there isn't one team that I can think, you know, they're going to, we have to have a rebase. And usually it's one team every year. We've got to have a rebase on that side of what we thought. At the moment, it's pretty, it replicates the form we expected at the start of the campaign. Uh, we can get suckered into backing teams off the back of one performance, Jack. You didn't last week. Really good example about a uh, Brighton's away game at Wolves. Wolves off the gap off the back of that United defeat. They had 23 shots at Old Trafford, more by uh, most by an away side since 2004. But you still thought, look, Brighton are the play here. Wolves were backed 
over the course of the week. And it's just not as simple as making those knee-jerk reactions um, early on. And as Nigel has pointed out, you know, Brighton were in good form last season. They've continued it on this campaign. Absolutely. Yeah, I think at the start of the season, as Nigel then said, we've said it before, that you, you kind of back your judgment against the traders based on what you expect the season to be like. The great thing is you don't have to back every game. You don't have to back every team. So pick those that you think you've got an edge on. Um, and absolutely, yeah, like sometimes you, you want to swim against the tide. At the start of last week, I couldn't have backed Brighton because the price wasn't good enough for us to put forward on the show. As the week went on, my kind of eyes opened a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah, we, we now actually got a decent play on here because um, it fitted the criteria that, that I wanted. Um, and I say, same thing happened with Newcastle. Money came for Newcastle after that 5-1 victory against Aston Villa. Few problems for Manchester City. City opened up, I think, round about minus 217 at the start of uh, last week. And an hour or two for kickoff, they're into minus 109. That was like a great value play. Too late for the show, unfortunately. But it's one to certainly keep an eye on. Sometimes it does pay to swim against the tide. And just one thing on market movements I've noticed this week, Nigel, I was just looking at the price of Aston Villa this morning and off the back of a really good win over Hibs. OK, I'm not quite sure what level Hibs are in the Conference League, but you win 5-0 away from home in a competitive game. It's got to mean something. I just looked at the, the price against Burnley. They've drifted. They were minus money. They're now plus, plus money. Burnley have been backed. I don't know if it's because there's been reports that they've beaten Manchester United uh, in a in a behind closed doors friendly. I, I don't know anyone who's watched that. I don't know what it's worth. Don't know what the teams were. But sometimes information gets filtered through, and the lines can change. And usually Premier League, yes, they can move, but not massively until maybe team news happens. And I just thought it was an odd one the way that the market has moved. But you can get stories that will shift the line. Yeah, stories about. I think that's. I think it would have been favourites behind closed doors against Manchester United the way they're playing at the moment. So I don't think it would have been a massive market move. I think it's probably to do with more of an Asian move. If there's some team news coming out, as we know, there may be an injury to Aston Villa, key like Watkins or something like that, who's such a key player. So that that usually a big move before a match is, is because a key player is, is not playing. So it could be something like that. And the other thing is, well, you know, Aston Villa their last their first road match, you know, against Newcastle, they were absolutely shocking, weren't they? Uh, so they, I know they were brilliant last week, but I think the market may not have gone overboard on Aston Villa. It may be a huge negative towards Everton, the team that they beat last week and and, and thrashed them. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's more to do with that than anything else. Let's get to the serious business, shall we? Because we've got plenty of uh, picks over the course of the Premier League weekend. I'm taking it seriously, shirt and tie. I got the memo from Bet Rivers. Obviously, Nigel and Jack didn't. Did you not get that email? Well, 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 in danger here. Well, Nigel, I don't know what's going on. Do you know what? Did you not? Did you not get the, the memo for the, you know, when for the it, dress when it, code? When it popped up, Jack, I thought it was like home <laughs> homeschooling again during the COVID. The geography, geography teacher, Mr. Roebuck from class. That's what it looks like. History, history course from Mr. Roebuck. <laughs> Naughty students, Celia and Wright, we're in detention with us. With us you, um, uh, the, the, the discipline has gone already when it comes to the attire. We're going to kick off Saturday morning football, uh, stateside at least, 7.30, early kickoff uh, Eastern time. It's Bournemouth uh, against Tottenham, uh, Tottenham. Bournemouth plus 275. Tottenham minus 109 off the back of that good win uh, over... Uh, Manchester United, of course, last time. Both of our handicappers have got to play in this game. A couple of questions for you before we get to the to the picks. Uh, Nigel, this one's for you. Harry Kane's gone. He's gone to Bayern Munich, scored on his debut in the Bundesliga. Does that take the pressure off Ange Postacoglu or, or not? How, how do you see Spurs off the back of jettisoning their best player? 
Well, I think the, the good thing for him is he's got the, the fans behind him straight away, haven't he? The, the, the scenes in the, the win over Manchester United, you've never seen Tottenham like that for many years. So I think the fans like him. Uh, I think he's a likeable character. They like the style of play he's made. They like the changes he's made. He, he seems a really nice guy. And he seems to be getting the best out of the players. And obviously for them, those players, a lot of them might have been in the shadow of Harry Kane. Harry Kane was... Mr. Tottenham, I think I'm not saying that Tottenham are, are a better side without Harry Kane. No team in probably in world football would be a better side if Harry Kane left them. But I think there might be some of these players emerging now who haven't been putting in the shift, who actually now feel, you know what, this is my time to shine. Uh, Bazuma uh, has been exceptional in his first two matches, man of the match in the two matches. He's played a totally different player than what we saw last season. Uh, and Madison now, he's been made the vice captain at Tottenham. He's moved to a big club. He's been given the faith on the manager. He looks as though he's going to play for the manager. And there's like this really good feel-good factor around Tottenham at the moment. And I, I expect them to have a good season. But on the flip side to that, let's, just, let's not get too carried away about Tottenham. Let's remember under um, Nuno Sanchez, it was Sanchez, Espirito Sanchez. Tottenham were top of the league after two or three matches. And they had a brilliant start. I think they beat Manchester City. Day. He was gone after six matches. The crowd sounded <laughs> him. Uh, so it, it, it does change very, very quickly. But I think uh, Postecoglou uh, will actually get the support from the fans because they'll feel sorry for having to sell Harry Kane. So I think all is quite good at Tottenham at the moment. And I like him. I like him here. And just uh, sticking with the managerial thing, Jack, uh, a question before, uh, for you before we get to the tips. Anthony Ariola uh, at Rio last season, both teams to score, yes, 23 out of 38, nearly a seven-point profit for uh, for level stakes. He started this season, looks like he's, he's going to play this chaotic brand of football. Uh, fun to watch. And it's one of those things that, from a betting point of view, you're going to have to get quick to these new managers, whether it's Postacoglu, whether it's Iriola, whoever's coming in to try and take advantage of any trends because the market reacts quickly and it settles quickly and before you know the value's gone. Spot on, yeah. Exactly what I've, I've got down, really, to be honest. Um, I think sometimes when you get managers in and we've got two here obviously you've got to try and go well, what we're going to get from it and it might be a bit of a watching brief but I think these have got very set templates we we realistically should know exactly what we're going to see here and they're very similar styles actually these two so it, it, as you rightly say it should open up to be a fun game but this is a perfect example of where lines haven't been set for the the, the new manager the new system and, and more on the old system where last season 14 out of 38 um, were both teams to score? No, um, sorry, 14 out of 38 were both teams to score for Bournemouth. You'd have lost 11 units on a level stake going on that, but it's completely different with, with Ariola, absolutely. Yeah, different manager, different stats, different way to make money, perhaps. Let's get some picks then from the boys. Nigel, you're first up. What's the bet here? I'm just going to play it very simple. I want to go for Tottenham to win this match at minus 109. Uh, they were minus 113. It's gone in our favour a little bit at minus 109. I just feel that, um, that win against Manchester United and what we saw, the scenes in it and, and the team spirit and the morale around the club. And, and the, it, first, Tottenham's been, like, end of last season, they, was, they were in the doldrums. They had the, the Kane situation over them all the way through the summer. And now they just seem like they're going to play with a bit of freedom. I, I really like the way they set up. Uh, we've mentioned Madison, I've mentioned Basuma. Um, Ricarlison still hasn't done it yet, but the goalkeeper I thought was exceptional. Uh, Vicario in the, in the match against Manchester United, I thought he really had a good game. Manchester United deserved probably to get a goal in the second half, but he pulled off some amazing saves. I thought they played well in patches against Brentford, but a trip to Brentford is always a very tough place to go, as Arsenal fans will be able to tell you that when they lost on the first day of the season. But they didn't lose, they, they fought back, they got the 2 2 draw. Um, and they've got goals in them and they've got confidence. And I, I just think this is a good time to play Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I know they went 1-0 up against Liverpool, you know, shocked to go 1-0 up. 
But they showed nothing when Liverpool were reduced to 10 men. They had an opportunity to take it to them. They never showed anything. It was like they were fear, fearful. And it was Liverpool who were much the better side, despite being down to the 10 men for what, half hour, 35 minutes of the second half with the, the sending off um, for, in that match for, uh, for um, McAllister. But um, I, I, I like Tottenham. I think I just think that I just think this I think Tottenham here are going to be a, a side that are going to do well this season. I, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to finish in the top four, but I, I quite like the look of them for cups, the way they play. I quite like it. They've always been a good bet in the Carabao Cup. They've always been a good bet in there. And the way these sets his side out now, they look exciting. I think Tottenham games are going to be good to watch this year. I think Madison could turn out to be one of the signings of the season from the early day. I just just feel that he's he's got the faith that he's been surviving for, you know. He never, he wasn't a, a certainty to play in the England squad. He's now got a manager who completely gives him the ball and lets him go. I think he's a quality player. His assists last season were, were exceptional in a, in a lesser side that's, that uh, struggled with, with relegation. And going here, I know he hasn't got Kane to put the to, to the balls into, but uh, I think he might score a few goals. I might look at him to, to go over a certain goal line or something like that if anyone better that. But I like Tottenham. Minus 109. So just very simple. Tottenham to win this match at Bournemouth minus 109. Same game, but slightly different angle uh, for Jack. What's your play? Yeah, I'm going for over two and a half goals and both teams to score. I, I think I'm on the same page as Nigel as what I expect from the game. It should be should be good fun. They traded three two wins last season um, with the away side win on both occasions. So um, that was with two different managers and these two look to be even more positive and more front foot. So it should only be um, a, a great, great spectacle for the, the neutral and for the player and team people who are at the Vitality Stadium. Um, I think under Aroli, we mentioned uh, what he, what he's brought to the table, how he will go. He was on a shoestring budget there. We don't really have a comparable in, in kind of the Premier League because we've still got a lot of money sloshing around, even at the lower reaches. You know, the money Bournemouth has spent this season is quite an eye-opener, really. But he took 10 points off Barcelona. So he, across his four games over two years there. So he is prepared to go toe-to-toe, even with the biggest in, in a certain league. So... What I like about the styles here is that they're pretty much mirrored. They're both going to be looking to win balls up in the high up the pitch, which should leave a lot of space behind. And if people can break through that press, um, that's been proven by only Bayern Munich across the big five European leagues. Uh, one forced more high turnovers leading to a shot than and Rayo under Iriola last season. So he's obviously looking to implement a similar style. It did pay off at the start of that game against Liverpool, but also where Tottenham will look to take advantage of that is that they concede so many opportunities and chances. 42 shots conceded across the two games so far is an insanely high amount. And Spurs do have the players to make the most of that. You know, we are waiting for their forward players to catch fire. They've, uh, what What is a good thing for them is how they're going to replace Harry Kane. Well, they need to chip in all over the place. And, and we've seen goals from... Um, the defenders, Romario scored, uh, Saar scored as well, um, and Emerson. So there's been goals provided deep on the pitch. Basuma, as Nigel says, looks back to his best that we saw at Brighton. Madison, of course, you've said everything you need to know about him. Fantastic player. They also gave away a lot of chances against um, United. 22 shots, XG of two. Bonkers game against Brentford on the opening day of the season. So a similar pattern here would suit me perfectly well. There was four goals in the first half there. They both took the lead. They both threw it away. So, yeah, that just seems to me that there looks to be a, a lot of chaoticness about this game, a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances. And I think there'll be players on the pitch to take them at both ends. And obviously, for the sake of the show, we'll be hoping that we're Tottenham come out on the right side of it. 
Uh, both teams to score and over two and a half goals for Jack at minus 129. Let's move on to Everton versus uh, Wolves here. Uh, Everton plus 135, Wolves plus 220, the draw plus 230. This is a bottom versus second bottom, Nigel. This could be a long, hard season for both, but we're still in the early stages of it. What's the play here? What do you like? Well, it's a little bit lower odds than I usually play, but I just think you can't get away from the under two and a half goals in this match. I think it's um, probably one of the, the banker bets of, of the coupon in the Premier League. You've got to be quite brave. I've, I've said to you, the Premier League is averaging three goals per game, uh, but you obviously need players on the pitch who can actually put the ball in the back of the net to give you any cause of concern. I don't, I don't see that in either of these sides. I mean, Wolves create all them chances against Manchester United who couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which is a concern for me. People look at the XG sometimes, and I've always been a lover and a hater of the XG. And and when someone says, oh, a team created 23 chances and 2.4 goals, but they lost 2-0, they're unlucky. I think that's a bit crap, really, because I think that the, I think that the guys, if they had a good goal scorer, they would have scored. So you could create 22 chances the next match, and without a goal scorer, you're still not going to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's the case of Wolves. They create a lot of chances, but they haven't got anybody. They haven't had anyone for years to score the goals. They've got a consolation goal against Brian, but Wolves have always been lacking a, a, a top-notch striker. They've got good midfield players, pretty midfield players, and, and obviously guys who can cause goals from set pieces, but striker, they've been lacking one for years. And Everton, oh, I mean, talking about a club in, in complete turmoil. I mean, they were dreadful against Aston Villa. Absolutely dreadful. Lost 4-0. It could have been 6 or 7. I mean, the first half, it was, it was shocking. But then, arguably, their biggest two attack threats, uh, Alex Iwobi, he's out injured. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he's out injured. And when you looked at the bench in that match, well, anybody who's betting over two and a half goals, you, Neil Mopay starting, well, you've got no you've got no chance of cashing with him. I mean, honestly, it, it, I don't think there's... Well, anyway, my comments on him is, is, is it. But if you're an unders bet and you see Mopay lead the line, then you must be... You're laughing, all, you're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> and then the other subs they've got, I mean, they're out of the, the youth side. Lewis Dobbin, you know, Jared Braithwaite. I mean, these are all kids. These are all 16-year-old kids. Shirt numbers of 67 and 69. Like, they've got no one in in this squad. I mean, they're really, they're really down to the bare bones. They can't score goals. My only fear here is, is Wolves beat them by three. You know, I, I'm more, more worried about Wolves winning this match than Everton actually doing it. But in the early day of the season, these two sides have, have had an awful start, both of them. And you say bottom and second bottom. It looks to me as though this could be played out. There's just damage limitations. Let's take a point and let's rebuild next week. We can't lose a third match in succession. Let's get a point and build from that point. And already, I think if both managers were offered a point, give them the way they are, a new manager at Wolves, a manager of an injury crisis at Everton, confidence at the lowest ebb it's been for years, um, I think they might settle for a, for a, for a, for a point. And already... Only three matches in, the nil-nil detector has been <laughs> yeah. I have upgraded. I have upgraded it now. I all, the, it, I got a manual through from Taiwan. It had all the different settings I had to do. It took me ages. I had to ring Dan Roebuck up to help me because I know he knows everything about technology. I went That's through the I went, yeah, I went through the settings, and now it's it's functioned with the extra ten minutes, and it is bleeping nil-nil for Everton Wolves. But instead of doing the risky bet, I'm going to play it safe. Keep their uh, the profit growing under two and a half, minus 141. Uh, nil nil, incidentally, plus 800 uh, at the moment for that game. If you fancy, if the radar is working, um, <laughs> let's uh, talk parlay here. Love this bet. Jack's come up with something a bit interesting for us. Um, it's a cards bet and it concerns four uh, matches. Uh, Nigel sort of already 
talked about cards, but Jack, you just give us your sort of thoughts on on the card situation at the moment, and and obviously you're you're thinking that FA directives are going to kick in with with further cautions. Just give us your your, your card take before we we rattle through the games and the bet that you're interested in. Yeah, we had a chat off offline, didn't we? And you said, you know, what's the difference as far as the cards are concerned? Nigel's touched on it already, and it's it's been a massive difference, to be honest. Um, last season, using one one card for yellow card two cards for if it's a red card basically 1431 cards that's an average of 3.77 per game uh, across the whole of the last season we've had 19 games so far this season of course with that one being postponed we've seen 105 cards so far that's an average of 5.53 um small sample size but but obviously nearly an extra two cards per game going into the exact detail for the same time last season there'd been 75 from one extra game. That's an average of 3.75, so even a little bit lower. So absolutely, we're seeing a lot more cards due to these directives. Having a little bit of a breakdown as to what the cards are for. Uh, We've had 14 so far for time-wasting, but the big difference is that Descent, 23 for Descent so far this season against 12 at the same point of time last season from one extra game. So I think that... There's an opportunity for the sake. There's a couple of bets that I liked at the at the start of the week where the money went and it became impossible for me to to put on the show. So I thought rather than go with another unit on a on a full selection on one game, there's a few that I like. Uh, so I picked four out and I've reduced the stake right down to just a quarter of a unit, so 0.25. So if you're normally putting a hundred dollars on a a straight unit bet that we put forward is $25 for this one um, with the idea that we can get a couple of units profit um, when it lands. Go on then. Tell us the games, rattle through the games and tell us the bet. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be quick on them. Um, I'll basically look for the games that I think there's a little bit of edge in them. There's been a bit of history as far as cards so far this season, and I've got a decent referee in charge or a combination of all of them. Brentford palace is the first one. So London Derby, Four cards in the game last season. Um, so far this season, Brentford games have seen five yellows and one red. Um, and a five. Palace have seen four yellows and one red against Arsenal, obviously, uh, just gone. And three yellows. The referees, Peter Banks, he's given five yellow cards in both of his games so far. Averaged 4.33 cards last season, which was the second highest average of all the referees as well. So I'm going over four and a half cards in all these plays, by the way. Um, next game is Everton Wolves. We've touched on already. It's, it's already a, a relegation six-pointer three weeks into the season. Um, there was 13 cards across the two games between the two sides last season, including seven in this exact same fixture. Um, Everton games this season have seen seven and two. Wolves games have seen 10 yellows and one red against Brighton, where they got thumped anyway. So uh, interesting. And five yellows in the in their opening game. Referees um, Craig Corson, he's, he's had a warm-up in midweek and shown six yellow cards. And was actually the referee in this last season when he showed seven yellow cards. Happy days. Man United Forest is the third leg of the parlay. I think both these sides got points to prove. Forest will be desperate to try and get a point at Old Trafford. Man United have obviously getting quite a lot of stick in the media. And I'm sure from their own manager. Um, there was four cards in this meeting last season. Man United have been pretty average this, this campaign. Four and five yellow cards in their games. Exactly the same for Nottingham Forest. Four and five yellow cards. Referee Stuart Atwell, number nine as far as the um, yellow cards given out last season is concerned. But I just feel he's one of those referees I like when there's a little bit of edge in a game because I think he can lose control a little bit, tends to let it go, and then it'll just burst into life. The final one's Brighton versus West Ham, which was a little bit of a surprise one, but we have got a clash of styles here. And we've also got the second highest collectors of cards so far this season. Both have picked up eight 
so far already in just two games. Brighton's games have seen 10 yellows and one red card in against the Wolves and then four in their opener. West Ham has seen six um, and uh, one red and a five as well. Referee, though, Anthony Taylor, shown six yellows and seven yellows so far this season in his two games. He showed 114 across the campaign last season, which is the highest of any referee. Um, and he also had the highest amount of red cards as well with four. Um, and he's already shown 13 in his two games this season, which is the second highest total. So put them all together. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're looking at a couple of units profit for a, a very low risk on it, 0.25. Uh, Nigel, your thoughts on the party? You talked about cards in week one and said, look, you know, it might be worth getting with cards in certain leagues. And I think off the back of what you said, there was four in the National League. If you played the the doubles and the trebles, you absolutely cashed the lot. Is it is it the time to play this type of bet, do you think? I'm always a little bit sceptical. I mean, I, I can't, you can't deny the, the work and, and the and the effort that Jack has done there in the, in the, the stats and stuff. But I'm always sceptical because I feel like I've missed the boat. I'm always like to be on the front end of, of trends and stuff. I don't like to come in three or four matches after. I always think I want to be going the opposite way. When the general public wants to be betting overs, I want to be betting unders. That's my that's my strategy. And I think if if it continues on this week and it continues on next week, and we do hopefully we cash his ticket. But if the lines get silly where they get up to like five and a half, I'll be doing the same parlay, the opposite. Yeah. I just I, I just think it just gets to a stage where it just goes totally the wrong thing to do is to do that to do, to go with that, that bet because everyone's doing it and it's and I think and I feel like anytime there's an incentive and a new change of, of the thing or anything in, in a World Cup you know I've said it in the previous show before the first couple of games yeah there is and then all of a sudden it gets back to norm I just cannot see how this will sustain all the way through the season and at the moment they've been descent but as the time goes on, they'll be much more lenient than they are. They're trying to make us get, and, and I think obviously the injury time will come down. The, the point, you know, the matches at the time wasting. I think people will learn not to time waste as much. I think that's a big important factor if you're betting on the over on the bookings, as we said there, with the extra ten minutes and a half. I think that's huge. But for me, I, I, I'm, I'm going. I'll go with it this week. And if um, if if he comes up with the same one, next you've got week, the boss's blessing there, Jack. Get one right. of them. If he comes up one of them yeah. next week, he's getting one of them. He's getting a red because we're but going unders t- next week. If he's, if Jack, he's in fairness, I agree. I've, I've looked. I at mean, it timing's thought, everything. Timing's everything. Yeah, I've looked at it and thought I want to. I want a couple of weeks to see. Or miss timing in tackles in this case. <laughs> He's got a giant red card behind him. Oh, damn. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Uh, but I, I think the time, I my personal take is I think the time they're going to reset is the international break's coming up in two weeks' time. And I think that might just prove that ideal two-week when they come back and go, oh, it's, it's, it's dropped back down. The lines have gone up a bit. It's it's a close call, but I think they're just about on the right side of the minute. When only one, one game last week saw under four and a half cards, and that was Spurs. There's huge amounts across all of them last week, so... I think I think it's a good play. I think timing is everything. You've got to catch your eyes. A good discussion goes the other way, as Nigel says. Then you start to look at the unders. We've got two more games to preview. Uh, we're going to go Arsenal-Fulham next up. This is another 10 a.m. Eastern uh, kickoff uh, for you. Arsenal, uh, prices have changed a little bit. They've come in minus uh, 455, very short. Not the shortest on the weekend slate. That honour goes to Man City. Um, at Sheffield United. I, I initially thought here, Nigel, that Arsenal a bit workmanlike in wins over Forest. Uh, and Crystal Palace, and you thought, can you get at Arsenal? And then you think, but it's Fulham, and yeah. Fulham have been poor, and Mitrovic has gone. Uh, give us your take and give us your play. I think it's pretty much that. I mean, I'm I'm very rarely like to bet Arsenal, and the reason why I like don't like to bet them is because I feel they're another public play. I think whoever, I think everyone, the, you know, the media attention around Arsenal. Even when we met a few times last season, I 
I just couldn't have them winning the title at the stage when they were. I just kept. Like, I completely off. agreed with you, of course. But you disagreed on everything I said. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, but that I, I, I just thought they just wouldn't want to do it. They surprised me actually how how well they've started this season. I thought they played really well. Uh, Forest. There was a stage where Forest played exceptionally good. Declan Rice was exceptional uh, in in the last match in the last win. Um, but I just think this is more a bet that. Is I mean people are talking. I mean people are. I know people who are talking about Arsenal win the Champions League and stuff like that. And they're going to win the title this year. Arsenal win nothing until they get a goal scorer who's going to get them twenty five goals a season, like a Haaland or a top top centre forward. They get one of them. They can be talked about as potential champions of Europe. But at the moment, they need a striker. But in this match here, I think this is more about Fulham being really bad. I think we have to have a talking about clubs that rebase from last season. I think if you looked at the adjustment from t- the ratings of teams this season to last season, I think Fulham. On Everton will probably go back, but I think the biggest change would be Fulham. I think Fulham are in real, real problems this this campaign. I can't, I wouldn't be surprised to see the manager walk. I think he, you know, he wants to go to Saudi. It's clear he's made it. He looks disinterested. The three 0 home defeat against Brentford looked like a, a team that are in an absolute crisis. They did play Everton in the first game of the season and won at Everton. It just shows you how bad Everton are. But Fulham without Mitrovic, I mean, the, the, the skipper Reem is out uh, suspended for this match. Defending is a big loss for them as well. He's got the sending off uh, in, in that match. If he doesn't play, Mitrovic doesn't play. Where are they going to score? They go to the Emirates and the Emirates, as you know, Dan, you're there every week uh, working away. It, they Arsenal always score at the Emirates. I mean, the last 25 matches at home they've scored. In 17 of those matches, they scored two goals or more. So they're always good for a goal. I can't see where Fulham are going to score. I just can't see how they're going to score. And if they do score, it's going to be a consolation if they're three or four behind. I can see it ending 3-1 or 4-1 or something like that. So I think Arsenal win this really easily. Um, I, I think they get three points, continue their um, 100% start to the season in the Premier League. But it's not because I think Arsenal are going to be huge contenders. I think they're going to be up and about it, but I don't think they're going to change Manchester City. I think they'll be in a race with second with Liverpool. I think Liverpool will come good. But I think it's because Fulham are dreadful. And I think they have big, big problems. And at a big price, I think Marco Silva could be the next Premier League manager to go to have a walk. I think he's, um, I think he's worth an interest here because I think if he loses this match and then lose the next couple of matches, and they get in and, and they've got no money to spend on a striker, and he wants away, I think he'll just walk. Just to remind you of the bet then first. first oh, sorry, I'm going to go is... for uh, Arsenal minus one point seven five on the Asian handicap here at minus one twenty two. So. We need Arsenal to win by two goals. If Arsenal win by two goals, uh, half of that bet is a winner. If Arsenal win by three goals, uh, we cash on both. So we need Arsenal to win by two or more goals. Just very quickly, Marco Silva plus 1,100 to be the next manager to leave after Julian Lopetegui is already gone and Fulham plus 350 to be relegated. Small stakes interest on those two? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd rather take the manager to go than the three and a half. The reason why it's three and a half is because <laughs> there's Everton <laughs> Luton, the Sheffield the, United. I think teams. this. I think this is a much, much worse league, Premier League, than last year. I think the teams at the bottom six, seven, are a lot worse than they were last year. Uh, Brighton West Ham is the last game that we're going to cover before we just get some best bets and any leans from the boys to wrap up with. Uh, Jack, you've got to play here. Brighton are short at minus 200, West Ham plus 510. Uh, Brighton actually outscoring next year at the moment, which was a massive problem under Graham Potter. Roberto De Zerbi is being lauded as potentially the replacement for Pep Guardiola. West Ham, I thought, were looking in fits and starts against Chelsea to win that game by that 3-1 scoreline last time out. What's your, what's your take here? What What's the play for Brighton-West Ham, which is 12.30 Eastern Saturday? 
Yeah, I'm going for Brighton to win, but I've gone with over two and a half goals as well. Um, was tempted with the both teams to score, but I really can't put lots of faith in West Ham scoring for sure. Um, although Brighton do love to leave the back door open. And I just feel that there was going to be goals in the game. We've seen what De is about. He's done superbly well. Started the season on fire. Picked up where he left off last season. Um, riding the crest of the wave, aren't they? They really are like performing exceptionally well. You're right in what you say that last, we've, we always talked about um, lots of XG. Nigel touched on it earlier in the show. XG is only good if you've got a striker that's going to be able to take advantage of the loads of chances. They got rid of Mope well. though, didn't they? They got rid of Mope. They had Neil Mope who missed seven or eight chances yeah. a game. They've now got Ferguson, obviously, who's highly rated, being linked with big moves elsewhere. He's on the bench last week and they still scored four. Chao Pedro came in from Watford, scored in the first game on the bench last week and they still scored four. They've got three players have already had three direct goal contributions. They've got the left back, Purvis Estupanan, who's um, scored and assisted twice. They've got Solly March, who's now a goal machine, having not scored for two years um, from when he, after the World Cup. He's now gone on a, on a great goal scoring run. He's now joint top goal scorer in the league with three goals. Um, Matoma as well, who's, who's got a, a couple of goals and an assist. And I, I read a really interesting piece on his science of dribbling during the week, which was was quite interested about what he's done and how he's gone about setting um, defenders up to be able to take him on. And, and it's great on the eye. Sounds like Nigel after a few stunts. I was just saying, there's a lot of silence and dribbling on last Wednesday. <laughs> Between the three of us. Uh, what a lot of straight dribbling there was there at all. Yeah, so I think I think this is a, cl- a very much a clash of styles. Absolutely, uh, Brighton versus West Ham. Uh, and you're right in what you said. I, I, you know, as much as they beat Chelsea three-one last week, I think that was a very fortunate result. I think David Moyes knew that and admitted as much. And I've never seen a manager kind of quite so dour as a, as he was as after a three-one win. So um, again, the. Brighton fans and the media loving Deserby, what he's doing and the exciting ways he's playing with Brighton. And it's the opposite, really, of, of, of West Ham. And we're sort of waiting for him to bide his time and, and move on. So this one ended 4-0 last season. Like I said, Brighton do do give up chances as much as they've overperformed their XG in front of goal. They've been quite fortunate. They've played a couple of sides that don't take their chances this season. And I think it's time to keep going with Brighton purely at this moment in time before they have to start playing European football. And I think then it will take its toll a bit. But at the moment, they've got the momentum. They've got the players. They've got the system and setup that works superbly well. The rotations are even working also. And I think they could take West Ham to the cleaners here. But equally, a, a 2-1 or 3-1 um, that wouldn't surprise me either. So I, I put the juice in with the over goals because I can see plenty in the game and um, Brighton coming out on top of it. Good stuff. Uh, final uh, chat here. Uh, what's your best bet of the three, Nigel? What's your best bet of the three, do you think? I think Everton Wolves under two and a half goals is my best bet, minus 141. Yeah. Jack, best bet of your three plays this weekend? Yeah, my best bet of the three would be under two and a half goals in um, the Wolves game as well. But um, mine, yeah, Tottenham. Goals in the Tottenham-Bournemouth game. Uh, and just one last thing before we wrap up here. Uh, I saw a tweet, Nigel, from yourself talking about Pep Guardiola saying, look, he's going to miss games on the sidelines. And, and that, you know, could be as big as 
as missing De Bruyne. And, and although you might have been sort of overrating the point, the market moved in Sheffield United's favour. It's incredible, isn't it? Sometimes those little snippets of team news or just news, and we talked about uh, the, the Burnley behind closed doors friendly, it, they can just affect the market. It's, it was only for about 24 hours and it's reset again now. Sheffield United is such a massive price, but I could only think that there was just that little spike because of news like that's incredible. You've got to keep your ears and your eyes open over the course of the betting week. I wasn't over. I was. I was being general. I was being on it. I was. Too, I was. I think. I don't think it is in their game. He misses Sheffield two games, doesn't he? he? Misses two games. Yeah. Well, it was Steve Risher who actually told me the games. He responded with the Reds. But I think if if Pep Guardiola was out against a Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, or in a Champions League quarter final, I think that would be as a bigger loss to Manchester City. Well, it happened, as, didn't as it? It Kevin happened in the Champions League semi-final against against Liverpool when Mikel yeah. Arteta stepped in. And, of course, Liverpool won and Pep Guardiola wasn't on the bench. So. Whatever happened to him, that Arteta? Did he do anything? don't know. He's not kicked on, has he? Uh, anyway, thanks for the, any detentions. Or any, <laughs> you've got, you've got, it's lunch break now, so we've all got to go out. <laughs> Listen, there's some lines coming your way. Don't worry about that. Mm. Uh, Nigel, Jack, thanks for your company. Uh, good luck with your picks over the course of uh, week three of the Premier League. From all of us, it is goodbye. Stay across all of our social media content at because we win that's it for this week if you're a tennis fan you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network whether you're a better or just love tennis you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider